Welcome. This is Pastor Danny with Word of Faith Family Church in beautiful Lander, Wyoming. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. I pray you will be energized and strengthened as you listen to God's Word. Father God, we thank you for this day. Lord, we honor you. We bless your name. We thank you that you're faithful. Thank you that you're good. Thank you that you love us so much, Father God. And Lord, we we um, invite you to come in and move and have your way in our midst. We thank you for supernatural comprehension, attention, recall. And Lord, we thank you, Father God, that you are faithful and that you are good. And Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Well, we've been gone the last couple Sundays. Uh, we've been doing some soccer uh, games and practice and some of those things. It is that season. And so um, if you don't know, some of our kids play uh, striker soccer, which is traveling uh, competitive soccer. And so every year, every season, we talk to our kids and we say, hey, kids, you guys want to play striker soccer or do you want to play regular rec league soccer? We said, hey, you know, the expectations are a little bit different here. If we play striker soccer, we expect you to play at a competitive level. We expect you to give 100% at every single game. And if you want to do that, that's great. We'll support you. We got your back. Or if you say, hey, I just want to play for fun. I just want to play some rec soccer and I just want to have fun and do it. Okay, that's fine. We'll play that. No problem. But if you commit to it, you got to be able to say, hey, we're going to commit to it and you're going to help your team and you're going to finish. And so this year we've had um, a couple of games and a couple of tournaments and situations where our kids have not given 100%. And so they've gotten the speech. Has anybody ever given the speech before? <laughs> they've gotten the speech that says, hey, we're paying good money to s- help support you do this. We don't care if you're the best player out there or the worst player out there, but what I want to see is your work ethic and giving 100%. I want to see you making sure that you're a valued member of your team because they're out there working and giving their 100%, and I want to see you giving your 100% too. And so we've said that a few times to a couple of them. One of them only took one, but your kids are different, you know. And so we said, hey, you know what? We want to see you giving 100%. And so... We've done that, and, and it's, it's helped, and we've said, hey, you know what? We want you to see and understand that, hey, this is something here that you've got to commit to. This is something that you have a choice in. We don't just say, hey, you have to do this. We give them the choice, but then we expect them to commit to it. You know, the same way is with God. He's given us a choice in this life. You may not realize that, but God's given us a choice in this life. He's given us a choice to come to church today or not. He's given you a choice to get up or not. He's given you a choice to say, hey, you can go to work and you can do these things, or you can sit at home and binge watch episodes on Netflix. Like, he's given us the choice to be able to do these things. And so, really, the whole idea of understanding why bad things happen to good people revolves around this idea of choice. If we don't understand that we have a choice, then that really starts to help us understand more about who we are um, on this earth. Think about this in times when you don't have a choice, you're simply just a robot. You're simply just a person that God would be up in heaven saying, nope, you do this, and you do this, and you do this. You would have no choice. God has chosen from the very beginning to give us choice. So briefly, I want to kind of summarize. I was like, hey, the teacher in me says, hey, can people out here pass the test of asking the question and answering the question, why do bad things happen to good people? I want to take just a moment of reflection before we get going here and ask yourself, I'm not going to actually make you pass or fail the test this morning, but I want to ask you the question, can you answer the question, why do bad things happen to good people? 
Because it's a tough one. It takes a little bit of background knowledge. It takes a little bit of understanding about why. And so you have to link those things together. And so I endeavored to, I'm sure I'm missing parts, but I endeavored to have five statements this morning that kind of summarize why do bad things happen to good people. And Rick's going to help me with this. Number one, God gave every single one of us a choice. We already talked about that. And voila, it's not there. Okay, did you get those five points? All right, we got it. Good. Okay, number one, God gave every single one of us a choice. If it wasn't for that, we would be robots. So in other words, just like you give your children choices, hey, do this or not, just like we gave our kids choices to, hey, play soccer or not, God wants you to make the choice. He says, blessing and life, uh, uh, blessing and cursing I give you, uh, choose blessing and choose life. So, number one, God gave each one of us a choice. Number two, sin has consequences. Sin has consequences. Romans 3.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. Think about this for a minute. And again, think about it in terms of you being a parent or knowing somebody who's a parent if you are not a parent in your life. Maybe, well, you've all been kids, so you've understood it from the point of being a kid, right? So, wherever phase of life you're in. So, number two is sin has consequences. If that were not true in our life, we would have nothing preventing us from doing wrong. Number two. (laughs) All right. Number two, sin has consequences. If that were not true, we would have nothing preventing us from doing wrong. Consequences can come in the form of pain and of suffering sometimes, right? You think about that. Hey, man, you know what? Uh, Your kids, you tell them to do this and you tell them to do that and you tell them and they still don't listen. Okay, now you have a consequence, right? Last night we were putting our kids to bed. Kinder's like, I'm pretty sure I just told Reagan for the fourth time to go brush your teeth and get in bed. <laughs> okay, Reagan, you have a consequence, right? We've been working on this idea of, hey, listening the first time and following directions with that. So if you, you understand that here in life, too, if you go out there and, and you, you break the speed limit, guess what? You're going to have a consequence. You go out there and you do some things that are against the law of the land, you're going to have a consequence. If it wasn't for the idea of consequences, we wouldn't have a form of knowing right or wrong. So the wages of sin is death. Number three, we, um, Adam and Eve made the wrong choice and gave the lease of this earth to the devil. All right, so Adam and Eve, <laughs> Rick's struggling back there. All right. Uh, my screen is just tiny small. All right. Um, Adam and Eve made the wrong choice and gave the lease of this earth to the devil. We know the story of Adam and Eve. We know how we always blame uh, Eve and say it's her fault, but really they both did it together. So they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Again, why was the tree of knowledge of good and evil there? Because God gave them a choice, right? Just like he's given you and I a choice today. So God gave them a choice to choose right and wrong. And the bigger idea is if, even if Adam and Eve wouldn't have done it, we say, oh, it's Adam's fault. Oh, it's Eve's fault. We would have done it. Right? None of us are, are, are blameless. We've all had sin and we had, have had things in our life that have said, hey, you know what? We've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Paul talks about that in Romans. So we know that it, they made the choice and because of that, They had the lease of this earth. God gave them dominion in the Garden of Eden. He said, here, name the animals. Man, I I could just, can you imagine being in the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve were like, uh, what do you think? Zebra? Yeah, sure, why not? What do you you think, uh, 
That thing has a really long neck. How about giraffe? That's a good one, right? I mean, like, where did they come up with this stuff, right? How did they know? But yet, here they were in the Garden of Eden. They had everything that they had need of there in the Garden of Eden to be able to do what they needed to do to provide for all of their needs. But yet, because of that choice, they gave the lease of this earth over to the devil. Another big, big idea, another big point that we have to understand and realize. And then because of that, then now we have the curse that has come, and come on the earth. And so when you understand and realize, hey, why did the curse come? Why didn't, that's a big one in and of itself right there. If you realize, hey, why didn't God just say there's no curse? Why doesn't God just wipe out the curse? Why doesn't God just say, nope, no bad things ever? It goes back to the idea that God gave us a choice. God gave Adam and Eve a choice. And he still gives you and I a choice today. Now, without realizing anymore, Adam and Eve then walked in the Garden of Eden and their descendants on Noah and Abraham and David and all those ones, they had no hope for their sin. Because remember, sin has consequences, right? So now... They've had consequences for their sins, so the best thing that they can do is God's given them away. Hey, let's lay all of our sins on the scapegoat of the Lamb or make sacrifices once a year in hope that God takes them. Because the wages of sin is death. And so here they were, they were looking for the promise. They were looking for the promise. They said, hey, there's got to be something more. This life, this life of the law, this life of, if you ever, everybody ever read Leviticus? Oh my gosh, the law, right? The law, do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that. And the Jews and the people of God were trying to live in that strict regiment, but yet always failing. Right. Which leads us, well, number four, so our consequences are spiritual death. Spiritual death is separation from God. And then that leaves us right into number five, though, um, which is, uh, one of the many works of Christ coming to the earth. So what I'm trying to say here is, then Jesus came. Jesus was the bloodshed once and for all, for all mankind. And now, we still sin, but what happened? He's redeemed us from that through His blood that He shed. The Bible says there's no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. In the Old Testament, they killed and sacrificed animals. But once and for all, Jesus came. That's why he died. He shed the blood for you and me. Amen. Does that make sense? We as a Christian and as a believer should be able to have that knowledge to the place that we realize, hey, if somebody says, hey, I, I know you're a believer, I know you're a Christian, I know these things, but these bad things have happened, and, and why are these things happening on the earth today? My heart's desire, and I know pastors is too, that you get to the place that you can say, hey, Man, I get that. I'm sorry. I understand those things. But here is what the Bible says about this situation. My God is a God who loves you. And, and that leads us really right into the idea of what I, the heart of my message today, and the title of my message, if you're looking for one, is called Me and God Have History. Me and God Have History, right? Me and God Have History. And what I, the, what's on my heart today is, and this first part was just, like this pastor said, it was, is free. It's just I wanted to kind of sum up some of those things of, of the idea of understanding, hey, within these points we can understand, and number five, 
I don't have enough time. I'm trying. Though Christ has redeemed us, the devil has the power over the earth because it was given to him by man's choice. We've already talked about that. We've already talked through each of those things. And so we know that, that those are there. And so really what I, I want to talk about today is that me and God have history. And, and, and talking about the nature of God. All right? So there's a lot of people that I meet, and there's a lot of people that, that I talk to and, and different things. And like, you know, I was... Um, I went to show somebody, I wore this, this shirt to, to school the other day, and I was a little bit embarrassed, like, am I going to get in trouble? But I had some people talk, ask me about it, and it was really fun. I was like, yeah, it's, it's a, the greatest math problem, if you don't know how to teach in math, but it's the greatest math problem that I ever know about. It's like a huge, you know, there, there was this little boy, he had five loaves and two fish, and then he gave it to Jesus, and then all of a sudden, there was 5,000 men and their families that were fed. And it's in the Bible in Matthew chapter 17. You should go read it. And so just kind of sharing that. And I, there was somebody that, I, that I, I showed this to, and I thought that they would get it, and they just didn't quite get it. I thought that they were a believer. I thought that they understood and knew some of the stories, but they didn't. Like, I, I just don't get it. And so it, was, it really surprised me because I'm thinking like, you know, how important is it that we know the Word of God? It's not just because the preacher preaches it. It's not just because it's a test. It's because you've got to know it for yourself. I used to go to the dentist when I was younger. I still do, but I, I used to go to the dentist. <laughs> oh my gosh, I have so many stories right now running through my head. Anyway. Let's stay on track with this one. I used to go to the dentist, and they always give me a hard time, and they said, you know, really, you should floss your teeth. And I, Yeah, I know. I know I should. I brush them and all this stuff, but you should really floss your teeth. Okay, yeah. Time after time, every six-month cleaning, go in. Hey, this looks really good, but you should probably floss. Yeah, I know. I know. And one day I went in, and there was this different dental hygienist that was there, and she started telling me this story about these people that come in their 60s, and in their 70s that have had dental work done and dentures. And she was just as nice as can be, and she was just telling me all these things. And she was telling me about this, these people that said, I wish somebody would have told me, if you would have just flossed your teeth, you could still have kept them by the time you're this age. And that scared me a little bit. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And from that moment on, I have flossed my teeth. That was years ago. And so the point of it and that we realize here is that I understood the power of that. When I realized the power of flossing my teeth, it changed my life. When we understand the power of reading God's word, when we understand the power of the stories that are in God's word, it can change our life. That knowledge came to me firsthand as something changed in my heart when I realized, oh, hey, I want to keep my teeth when I'm 60. Something should change in our hearts to realize, hey, this is not the pastor's word. This is not the word that I hear at church on Sunday. This is the word that's a part of my life. This is my God. Me and God have history. We go back way together. I got stories that I could tell of the faithfulness of God. I could sit here and tell you about the times that I felt like, oh my gosh, I don't know what's going to happen, but God came through every single time. I got times when I know that my God is faithful. And even when I'm struggling, I know His Word and I know His promises to me. And so what I, my desire in my heart today is I've written down some stories and I was just going through these stories and thinking about these. And I'm like, 
man, God is faithful. When you begin to understand that God is faithful, not just to you, but to all of his people throughout time, realize, hey, maybe my God is a good God. Maybe he really does have good plans for me. Maybe he really does want the best for my future in my life. Are you ready? Adam and Eve made a bad choice by disobeying, yet God still took care of them. Noah and his family were the only ones found righteous in his day. Do you realize that Noah faced severe persecution from all the people around? The Bible says that Noah and his family were the only ones found righteous. Can you even imagine for just a minute? Let's frame this big idea. Noah had, had built an ark. God told him, hey, cut down these trees and build this ark that's one and a half football fields long. And everybody else was mocking him, teasing him, jeering him. Oh, you think it's going to flood? You idiot, Noah. It's never flooded before. Can you imagine being one of Noah's kids? Maybe Noah's daughter-in-law. Uh, talking to your husband. Hey, Sham, uh, your dad's nuts. <laughs> Not only that, do you, does anybody know how long it took Noah to build the ark? 120 years. 120 years that you're facing this persecution. And yet, here you are. God promised Noah, the end of the story, fast forward, all of your descendants shall be in the blessing of God. We had the conversation last night. Uh, Dad, are we descendants of Noah? Yep. Right? Noah, even though Noah faced hard times, God protected him and his family. Abraham tried to make things happen himself. But yet God made of him a great nation. Right? If you don't know the story, Abraham and Hagar, go read it. You should be reading it about now or have read most of it in your daily Bible reading. All right. I see the head nodders. I know who's fault. Who, no, I'm just teasing. Okay, Jacob. Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob was the grandson of Abraham. He obtained the name of Israel and the lineage of Christ with a bowl of soup because Esau sold his birthright. He was a great deceiver. He wrestled with God, yet an entire nation was born from his lineage. Wow, he's not perfect. Did God still take care of him? He blessed him mightily. Moses spent 40 years denying the call of God on his life. He went to the desert. He ran away. He said, oh, I've been raised. Remember the story of Moses? He was floating down the river, Miriam. The sister, right, picked him up. He was raised in the Egyptian house and he ran away. God told him what to do. And he spent 40 years in the backside of the desert. He had a speech impediment or he couldn't talk very well. But God still used him to free a million people from slavery in the land of Egypt. Jonah disobeyed, was thrown off a boat, by all rights, should have drowned. Yet he got to see the inner belly of a fish for a few days. Got spewed out, smelled like seaweed. And then he went and followed the plan of God for his life. He messed up. But God still used him in a mighty way. Daniel faced hard times when he knew that he was going into the lion's den. But he wasn't the one who got eaten by the lions. <laughs> 
Do you know these stories? Do you know that you and God have history? Are they stories that you can apply? God, I know that you are faithful then, and you'll be faithful now. As we were singing this morning, and I was thinking about this message that was on my heart, we had two songs that talked about the same God. He moved in power then, and He moves in power now. He was a healer then. He is a healer now. He's the same God. The same God. The same God. Three men refused to bow, yet they were joined by a fourth in the fire because they refused to serve any other gods. So hot, in fact, was the fire, the furnace that they were getting ready to throw up in. The guards were burned just from the heat. (laughs) (laughs) Though her life occupation was quite shady, a scarlet cord saved a harlot from sure destruction. Rahab was in the lineage of Jesus. She didn't have a great occupation in life, but God used her mightily. Despite threats from an evil witch, Elijah took on 450 false prophets with just a relationship with God. Fire came from heaven, burned them all up. That's a cool story. You should go read it. With only the jawbone of a donkey, a strong man named Samson defeated 300 Philistines. The power of God. Starting with an army of 32,000, but God narrowing it only to 300, this guy named Gideon defeated an entire army with the help of God. These feel like impossible situations. Impossible things, but the Old Testament was written as our example. Not just, just the Old, but the New too. We have this for us today. You say, what, are you, what is your point? Me and God have history. Even if it's not just the story that I have, this is the story of the Word of God. This is true. And if you don't believe these stories, talk to Pastor and Nancy about that. They've seen it. They've seen where a lot of this really happened in the land of Israel. Historically proved that we were just looking at pictures last night about a stone and an altar, and I probably got it all wrong, but 99% sure that that's where Jesus stood. Proof of the evidence of the ark and, and all of these different pieces. I mean, I just, you were talking about the seed today and how each one produces after its own kind. I have a background in science, and they say that we've came slowly evolved from apes, and it started with one original cell. You can't believe that and believe what God said to be true, because each one produces after its own kind, not after its own kind with a little bit of genetic modification. If you go back and you look at the history and you realize, hey, man, this, yeah, wow, God, you really did have a plan here. I doubt you've ever heard of him, but the smallest of eight brothers used the most unlikely tool to conquer the biggest giant in the land. (laughs) We got history. That's David. A woman named Ruth, who seemed destined for a life of utter depression, was redeemed and found worthy to be in the lineage of Jesus. Esther found favor in the king's sight, and though most surely faced rejection, 
God redeemed his people through her brave actions and justified Mordecai. Through a young, pure woman who wanted the Lord's will to be done, despite rejection from her future husband and family, a Savior was born and raised for the redemption of all mankind. Mary was an obedient servant. I could go on and on and on. Joshua, when Moses died, getting ready to cross the river Jordan to conquer Jericho, to conquer the Canaanites, to conquer the land. He said, what? Joshua 1.8, we use it a lot. Be strong and very courageous, for I am with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. I don't know about you today, but that's my cry as well. Though the brutal, through, the, through the brutal stoning of a sold-out believer named Stephen... Another man who simply held the coats of those was forever changed. Writing more than a third of the New Testament, Paul's writings are relevant to us today. He faced many trials, beatings, persecutions, yet God used him mightily. Me and God have history. What about you? What about you? Again, we're talking about the nature of God. We hear pastors say it a lot, but I really want to just dive into that just a little. What does that mean? You've got to know your God. You know who he is. You read about his great exploits. You read, hey, this is not some new fad. This is not the greatest, the newest technology that's going to maybe stay for a little while. This is not the next Blackberry that everybody thought they had to have in those days, right? (laughs) Gone. Blackberry's bankrupt, out of business. God's been doing this a while. He's the same God. He never changes. You know, I just wanted to kind of, as we were kind of wrapping this up here, I just wanted to talk about when we were coming back from Rama Bible Training Center um, a few years ago when we came back here, we knew that God had called us back. We knew that God had called us here. But we didn't have really a place to live. We didn't have jobs. We didn't have any security of anything. And... I remember days in that first year that we were here about, Kendra said, hey, I want to start a preschool. So, okay, we're going to start a business. But nobody knew the name, nobody knew anything. We're starting from scratch. It's tough to start a business from scratch. And so here we were, we were putting out flyers. We had just ordered boxes upon boxes of supplies. And we were declaring every single day little children preschool is full with enough capacity right and we were it was hard it was tough it was like hey we were believing god every step of the way there was big doubts what if this doesn't happen what if it doesn't work uh we're not going to be able to pay our bills and we're going to be broke and all this stuff right we're like hey man there's all this other competition there's all these things it felt incredibly impossible but as we look back now and we realize God brought us through that time, was it easy? No. It was challenging. It was tough. It was hard. felt like there was times in our life that were like, oh my gosh, oh man, I just don't know. Are we doing the right thing here? We stayed with it. We declared the word of God. We spoke the faith out. And God was faithful. Went to the place that went from one class and 10 kids to 22 kids in a waiting list over the course of a couple years. And was very successful in all that we did and have moved on to other things since. But you say, what is your point in telling that? The point is, is that 
just like that song that we sang this morning, God is faithful then and he's faithful now. You know that your God is faithful. You might to be facing some times in life that may be challenging, that may be hard, that may be a struggle. You'd be like, oh, I don't know if this is right. These things are happening that are not right. I don't know. There, there's pain happening here. There's a person that's sick here. There's these things going on. You have a choice to either say, hey, I'm going to focus on this situation, or you have a choice to say, hey, I'm going to focus on my God who is my Redeemer and my God, and I know that He's always been with me before, and He'll always be with me now. He's never left His children forsaken or begging bread. He's never, of all these stories that I read, though they face times of persecution, though they face pain, though they face suffering, and though they face these things, God never left them. By the end, when you read the story, he was faithful. We even look at Abraham. He didn't see the fullness of becoming a great nation, but the Bible says that he still died being in faith, expecting that he would. Why? Because him and God were like this. Him and God had history. He said, hey, take Isaac here and go. I'll give you a sacrifice. He just made a story of it, his only son. I know some of you went and watched it. Talk about how he went up to sacrifice his only son, but God, this makes no sense. It didn't matter because him and God were in covenant together. You and I are in covenant with God together today through what Jesus has done on the cross. And so though there may be challenges and though there may be hard things in life, I heard it said really good. I was watching one thing by Charles Stanley. who was a great man of God. He said, pain and suffering can make you better or it can make you bitter. If you think about the times in your life that God has really spoke to you, God has used you in a mighty way, has changed you, a lot of times it's from a place of heartache or hurt or a place of realizing, hey, man, this was a hard time in my life, but I then changed and was moved from one phase to the next. So as we're wrapping up here today, I just want to encourage you, know your God and know who he is and what he does. 2 Corinthians 4, 8, 9, 16, and 18 says, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. Verse 16, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. It's been a joy having you with us today. We pray you've been blessed by spending the time in God's Word. Always remember, you're valuable and precious, special and important to Him.